everyone, and welcome to Not Playing to Win, the board game podcast for people who don't know what they're doing, and that's okay. My name is Kate, and with me are my two beautiful co-conspirators, Arizona and Sarah. Say hey, guys. Hey. Hello. I'm Sarah. Arizona. I'm glad you guys could be here with me for this momentous occasion. So we're talking about board games here, except in the way that we're all at least a tiny bit bad at them. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes very bad. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's especially me. I am uh, I am very bad at board games, but I love them anyway. One of the board games we're going to talk about today, I have never won a game. I think I've never even gotten half as many points as the people I'm playing against. <laughs> And that's fine. And we're here to promote that kind of attitude. <laughs> so yeah, we're here to talk about board games in a just for fun way. Points don't matter. Rules don't matter. But you know what does? It's the bits and the art and the themes and all the stuff that just makes you really excited about games. To quickly clarify on the name, not playing to win. Obviously, we do still like winning. We're humans. We just know that we probably won't. And it's fun anyway. I love games. <laughs> Games are great. <laughs> games are so good. And that's the kind of positive attitude we want to spread here. Games are great. They're all good. They're all good games. If you have fun playing it, that's a good game right there. That is a good game right there. All games are good games. We They're love them all, all equally. Good games. <laughs> Bront. <laughs> They're all good games, Bront. <laughs> So the, the general format of the show is that we want to break games down and talk about them by theme rather than mechanic or anything deeply strategic. So we're starting out with a theme that is very dear to my heart, and I believe both of yours. We're talking mm -hmm. about Viking games. Vikings! Vikings! <laughs> So we really want everyone to get uh, get deep into the theme here. So if everyone can just grab a beer, pour it into your drinking horn, put some metal on in the background. The the music here I think is very important. There's a lot of good music you could listen to for Viking games. I've made I've made a few playlists that I will make public for this as well. I made one both for uh, a feast for Odin, which is a little bit more folksy, and I made one for Blood Rage which really features a lot more of this metal. A little bit of blood, some some rage. Yeah, it's got some blood, it's got some rage. Mm. If anybody else is really into death metal, then go check it out. If you're not, go check it out anyway. I hope you guys like Amon and Marth, and we can rock <laughs> out together as friends. I literally used to run in the winter through the snow, listening to Monomarth because it made me feel like a badass Viking warrior on my way to go slaughter some shit. That's the only way to be outside in the winter, I think. Yeah, uh-huh. Really makes you feel like you can conquer. I do. I need that motivation in the winter. It sucks here. <laughs> you're like biking. You're, you're biking through like four feet of snow. And you're like, yeah, there's snow on the ground. It's like negative 10, but at least I can feel like a fucking bike. Yes. <laughs> Right, so I think we kind of, I briefly glanced over it before, but our first game that we're going to talk about is a personal favorite of mine. I think both of you guys at least like it. I like it. I'm very bad at it. I love it. Oh, I'm god awful at it. That doesn't yeah. mean it's, yeah. that doesn't mean I don't love it. 
in some ways for the vibe of this podcast, I think it's a weird game to start on because I really tried to include to promote like inclusivity, getting <laughs> new people into games. But this is admittedly a big beefy game. Mm, it's a big beefy boy. It's a big beefy boy. <laughs> it's uh definitely definitely on the high end of like heavy games that I am mm-hmm. willing to play. It's time to talk about a feast for Odin. Yay, feast for Odin! I prefer my meals with Odin to be snack based. <laughs> I I like just a nice a light brunch for Odin. Oh yeah, a mimosa with Odin. Oh, mimosa for Odin sounds so good right now. Considering the fact that we probably can't mimosa with Odin at this exact moment, Arizona, will you tell us about feasting? I would love to talk about feasting for Odin. I like the little description that they give in this game. It says, in this game, you will raid and explore new territories. You will also experience their day-to-day activities, collecting goods to achieve a financially secure position in society. I like how they emphasize just like the boringness of day-to-day activities. Because <laughs> you do, you, what the, the point of this game is it's worker placement on a whole bunch of different action squares and you get to do the fun things, raiding and pillaging and getting more ships to do those. But you also like farm and craft which i also find to be very fun and you get little pieces and little tiles to fill up your squares and the whole point of the game is to cover up your negative squares and to get a high positive score but you usually end up with a lot of negative points at the end too that's really the point of the game is to get tiles to cover up your board and hopefully get the most stuff in the end it's a viking tetris of sorts to be honest Yes. I like that it says you want to achieve a financially secure position in society because that really screams fun. <laughs> really does. It's uh. weird the way this game speaks to me because it has all these parts that by all accounts should be kind of boring, but ultimately it helps set this game apart. There's so many Viking games that are about blood and glory and it's battle. True. And a feast for Odin is just... Make sure you have enough peas to feed your society. Yeah, it delves deep into the historical mm-hmm. accuracy of what Viking society yes. was. It wasn't all raging and pillaging. Sometimes it was just, you know, a bowl of peas. Mm-hmm. I would like to... Sorry, I just want to make clear how many historical facts I've learned from this game because it straight up concludes like an almanac of history in addition mm-hmm. to the rule back book. Ooh. I can't speak. Rule book. And that almanac has peas in it. It does. Mm-hmm. It's got peas and beans. So mm-hmm. pe- peas are like a historically accurate Viking food, huh? Yes. It tells you the history mm-hmm. of peas. If in- it's in this game, it must be historically accurate. That's just uh, how wow. I assume it to work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it tells you like about people in the almanac, like famous Viking people. But I like that it tells you about, you know, peas and beans and flax. Mm-hmm. Um, if you actually wanted to know you know, the history of it. it. tells you about the moose. Because I call those, I call flax just those purple flowery bits when I'm playing yeah. the game. I'm like, oh, I want one of those purple flowery things. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of bullshit names for everything in this game and get corrected a lot because they all have official names that I refuse to use. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, Viking Tetris of adding the pieces together. And then the fun thing about it is there's a couple of expansions for it that just add more islands um, and add more tiles for you to put onto your board. Like in one of the expansions, there's pigs. So it starts with cows and sheep, and then you get to have pigs and horses. And I like that you also, the game comes with like a little start, the start player tokens, a moose. 
which I think is just adorable. And then, of course, in the almanac, you can read about the moose and the moose is significant in Viking society. How is the moose significant in Viking society? It ta- I don't know. It talks about how the moose go alone, and I didn't read the whole thing. The, almanac- the moose travels alone, just the- like a Viking. <laughs> the almanac's pretty thick. The majestic <laughs> moose. It's a very symbolic moose. <laughs> I was trying to glance at it and trying to read it, but it's big, the almanac. Like, it gives yeah. you a lot of information. <laughs> it's huge. It has recipes in it. If Whoa. you want to cook, like, so you if you want to cook, like, a traditional Viking oatmeal for breakfast... <laughs> I think it tells you how to do, like, pickled herring. Something that I really like about this game is that there's a lot of different things you can do. Supposedly, you could probably win doing any of those things. Like, you can pillage and raid, but you can also, like, breed your animals to have a bunch of baby animals. Or, like, go whaling or just, like, craft a bunch of different cool, like, weapons and stuff. And supposedly, maybe you could win doing any of those things. I personally don't have any experience winning this game or even coming close to winning, but I have had a lot of fun attempting to do those things. Oh, yeah. Winning this game is purely theoretical as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) (laughs) Breeding animals and shopping for Viking goods are all very satisfying on their own. Mm -hmm. There are Viking careers you can get. Mm Mm-hmm. One of which is princess, which (gasps) is obviously the best choice. Well, then you then you're like you have to get the crown. Yeah, professional princess. You just get free silverware every time you get a house because <laughs> <laughs> princesses are known for wanting silverware all the time and having. Well, you just, just the nicest you need silverware. you need the finer things. You wouldn't want to just be eating yeah. with your fingers, obviously. If you're a princess, mm, obviously. I think the biggest thing I should say to people is that they should just go play this game. It looks a little big and intimidating, but once you learn it, it's a ton of fun. It does take a while. Like, no lie. Like, we said it's a beefy game and, like, it does take a while to play. It's it's just a big box. It's got a thousand options. It'll take mm-hmm. you a bit to learn the rules. Mm-hmm. But once you do, there will be no regrets. And it will really enrich your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is in the instruction uh, book, you have little Uwe Rosenberg. is Little cartoon Uwe is there to, to tell you little tips about playing the games. It's like in the corner, he has like a little speech bubble, like... Telling you, like, oh, I prefer to do this while playing it. And it's like, oh, thanks, Uwe, for your helpful advice. I should get some hot tips from Uwe. Maybe I could uh, increase my fun and my score. (laughs) Even though, according to this podcast, we only care about one of those things. (laughs) I only care about the moose. That's my only goal. (laughs) Oh, but what about the crown, Kate? The crown. Oh, nuts. The crown is, like... If I get the crown, I at least feel like I accomplished something. I mean, this is how I play this game to feel better about myself, is everyone else will win, but if I get the crown, then I can tell myself that I won. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. all that's important. But if I know I'm not going to win or have no such choice of the crown, um, it's all about that moose. Mm -hmm. It's all about that moose. Because the moose, we haven't mentioned already, is the first player token. So if you uh, go out, I think it's if you go out last in the previous round, then you get the moose. Is that yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're just trying to try to go slow and steady to earn that moose friend. I've named him Moosely. He's my best friend. <laughs> I like to give him little pats on the head when he Aww. is when wow. he comes when he comes to me to honor me with his presence. <laughs> and see, I played this 
the solo variant of this a lot. So I don't even, you don't even use the first player moose because obviously you're going first the whole time. So I don't even get to enjoy the moose. I, I guess I don't understand why you don't just park him in front of you the whole time. No one can challenge you for That's the true. moose in the first player mode. That's I've never played true. the first player. I First player mode. The one player. One player mode. Variant. Sorry. I've never done it. It seems it seems solid. I just am too lazy mm-hmm. to set up a game by myself. I need someone else to unbox this beast. I also it plays one to four players, and it's good with any of those amount of players. I would say I really like the one player mode. It does go faster, obviously, with one person because you're just playing against yourself, and you just keep trying to see how much better you can get at it. I will say I've played it. I've been tracking my score to see how much better I've been getting. And the last time I played, I did 20 points worse than <laughs> any of the other times I've been doing. So I don't think it's You're making me any an better. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't think it's making me any better playing the one player mode. But I am having a lot of fun playing the one player mode and trying out the different like occupations and seeing different strategies to see if it changes anything. If you play the one player mode and you do really poorly, can't you just like crumple up the score sheet and throw it away? Like I this can. never happened. Yes. Goodbye. <laughs> exactly. No one no one has to know. <laughs> okay, so uh we'll move on to to why we're really here, which is when you open up this box and get to see all those bits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cuz the bits are exciting. This is a huge game we might have mentioned before. So there are thousands of bits. <laughs> In, inside the box normally they do have some nice game trays to organize all the tiles which are all the the resources and foods and things that you can feast upon those are pretty nice but i think ultimately not quite enough to organize your stuff i don't know what the default is for this game is it just a bunch of bags the trees and or trees wood and rocks and stuff you're all going bags and all the player markers going bags and stuff so it's kind of you have to open a lot of bags when you want to play the game. Um, I've never had to set this game up, and I imagine that, like, it would be kind of a long setup it if was. you don't have, like, a nice organizer for it. Because I bought this game, and I played the solo variant a couple of times before I had the insert, and I will admit opening the bags kind of was a hassle. <laughs> and I, it, I felt like it really added to the amount of time it took me to play it. Like it added like an extra 15 minutes just to go through and open up all the little plastic baggies each time. And it really motivated me to buy the, the what Odin's banquet hall uh, insert. I was going to mention that because in general, I don't necessarily want to super promote inserts. I mean, I do because they're nice and they're beautiful, but also as a poor person, just the idea of adding money onto an already pretty expensive game. Mm hmm. It's Meeple Realty makes an insert for this one, a wooden insert. It's called Odin's Banquet Hall, and it is both fantastically beautiful and super functional. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the resources fit into these little carved wooden axes, so you really get to feel like a Viking, but also you just tear the lid off and your resources are there and ready to use. There's a little boat that my BFF Moosley gets to sit on. Oh, that's cute. It's a fantastic insert. So if anybody has this game and is struggling with those stupid friggin' bags, uh, mm-hmm. definitely go pick that up. It's really nice. It takes a little bit of time to the first time you get it to assemble it. But like that boat is real. The boat's worth it alone. But the axes and it saves a lot of time setting it up, especially if you do want to like play it a lot. Um, 
Or if you don't even want to play it a lot, even if you just like playing it, it's just, it just mm-hmm. saves a lot of time. Yeah, if you just want to play it sometimes, but don't want to go through all that effort of taking out those thousand bits, because there's there's wood, there's stone, there's iron ore, there's metal coins, and this is all in addition to the thousands of different various tiles that you get to lay down on your board, mm-hmm. as any good uh, Uwe Rosenberg game requires it's all about the tiles all Mm -hmm. about those tiles so yeah i think those are the most noteworthy bits are the moose Mm -hmm. the rocks the trees it's got some good coins yeah i like the coins they're not metal but they're like they come in like different increments you know and they look kind of cool i think if we put metal coins into this game i might be be so heavy (laughs) you'd need like a crane to pick it up from your board game shelf and move it to the table yeah, it's one of those games where I just don't even think I want to even think about having metal coins. <laughs> <laughs> the art in this game, I kind of like it. It's got a very, like, traditional Uwe Rosenberg feel, I guess. And it's got, like, some nice, like, historical uh, art on the cards. I think that it, like, it's not, like, a flashy art design, but it definitely, like, gets the Viking theme across. Yeah, I was gonna say the the art does kind of have that like historical vibe to it. It feels very factual, very matter of fact. It's really well done. Um, the artist's name is Dennis Lohausen. I think he's done a lot of other game art, so it kind of to me the style yeah. almost feels like mm-hmm. board game style. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he did it's, Agricola too, because it looks a lot like that. But I mean, that's another Uve game too, so yeah. it could just be. He does so yeah, a lot it just kind of feels like board. It really fits, I think, the vibe of the game, which is that kind of like historical. Yeah, it gives me like sort of like a feeling of like like a historical etching or like a like an illustrated manuscript almost. Kind of like if someone had gotten like an almanac from like Viking times. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what this game basically is. Yeah, the rules I've been think I think say it's like a Viking saga in the form of a board game. Yeah, they do. They do say that, and it's funny to me. <laughs> so I think the art the art fits the feel of this game. Yeah, it fits really it really well, well. I think yeah technical aspects of this game uh play time suggested on the box 30 to 120 minutes kind of breaks down to about 30 minutes per player in my experience i think it goes a little long do you think that's fair to I say i think so I, it also depends on if you're like teaching new people or if like the people you're playing with are very like analytical because I've played with some people where, like, one of their actions took, like, ten minutes, so. <laughs> yeah, we all know those people. <laughs> those people. None of us are those people. <laughs> I don't like to think about what I'm doing on my turn. I just like to do it and hope for the best. I just kind of throw my little Viking meeples onto the board and hope for the best. Um, yeah, so I'd say it's it's definitely not a short game. So y- you want to make sure you have time for it. But I think it's always worth setting that time aside for this one yeah mm-hmm. um player count we mentioned one through four i personally think it works just as well at all of those player counts mm-hmm. i've never played with four people and been like oh dear god i wish someone would leave <laughs> although i guess i've never played the one player i played it a lot with two i've never played it with one but it's wonderful from what i hear yeah it works really really great well i've played the one player according to my notes eight times since I bought this game in June. So I would say it has a high replayability. Yeah. There was a week when Arizona played this game one player almost every day mm-hmm. in one week. It was probably too much feasting. No such thing. 
Although I think just the fact that you say too much feasting, I think really highlights how well received this game is in our group that we very, very rarely even call it a feast for Odin anymore. We just call it feast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to feast? Today? Yeah. yeah. We, we don't have to see. We never say, hey, would you like to play a feast for Odin? It's just feast. I think we should feast today. <laughs> Let's feast. Um, expansions for this game, if you want to add on more stuff. Um, there are a couple mini expansions. One just includes more islands, so you have more places to explore. Definitely cannot complain about that. There was a promo expansion that was just a few extra tiles that you can now buy separately. I think it's only like $5 if you want to go buy it on BoardGameGeek. Um, but it's got a Christmas tree and a sleigh, some skis, a decorative table. Ooh. <laughs> uh, so if you're playing if you're playing a lot and really just want to add on to this game, there's definitely a possibilities there and then there is the big boy actual expansion the norwegians um i don't know have you either of you guys played with the norwegians yet oh yeah uh i think i watched someone play with the the norwegians it it mostly had like extra uh islands and stuff it has some extra islands it has some extra options Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it adds pigs it does. It adds the pigs. Ooh, the piggies. Yeah, I like the pigs. Which are a fun shape in addition to just being another cute, fun animal, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, it also adds a whole row of actions that you can only use as your last action. So if you're saving your last one to two guys, you have some some different options for that, which I actually really like. It mm-hmm. In the standard game, I felt a lot like I was essentially throwing away my last action, and I feel like that happens a lot less with the Norwegians because you have these new, more powerful abilities to use for it with your last guy. I agree with that. And, like, the last... Because, like, usually, like, I have one person left, and, like, there's only, like, one or two spaces left that allow one Viking, and you're like, these are all kind of crappy spaces. But then that... Now with that row in the expansion, it's like, oh, these are all, like, pretty good spaces that you can use. So really, like, is beneficial to save one or two Vikings at the end to use one of those spaces because they're all pretty powerful spaces. They're all, they're all really good spaces. I really do find myself kind of planning my turns around that a little. And I am not a planner because I'm kind of bad at games. But I will find myself kind of planning my moves based on where I can drop my last guy on one of those spaces mm-hmm. yeah the norwegians it doesn't fit into the box with the rest of the base game and i do really appreciate it when an expansion will fit into the main box but they tried to make it up to us because the art on the expansion lines up perfectly with the art on the base game box if you put them next to each other <laughs> <on the show. laughs> it's like they just tried to they tried to write that wrong by me because it looks so yeah. nice <laughs> <laughs> they're like obviously you want to have both boxes because yeah. the art lines up yeah it looks so that's perfect need, both of them yeah <laughs> okay um so what is everyone's favorite part my favorite part is definitely raiding and pillaging i like sending my people out i mean you're really just rolling a die i guess but i don't know it seems the most viking to me and i like getting all the treasure i feel at the end when i have a big pile of treasure all across my board that i really accomplished something in in life in the life of the game. I think similarly, like, I like the pillaging and raiding, but I also like the hunting and, like, the whaling um, because they use, like, a similar mechanic for, like, how you get the stuff. Like, you send, if you're whaling or pillaging or raiding, you send, like, your ships out. And if you're hunting, I think you just use, like, some hunting cards, some, like, bows and arrows or something. 
But then you roll a dice and it has to be like within a certain number range and you have like some extra stuff you can throw out to like meet that number range. And then depending on what you get, like you can get good stuff or like just okay stuff. And I I don't know. I think that's fun. I like the, I like like the risk of like, am I going to be able to roll this die well enough that I can get something or did I waste my time? Oh, it's so stressful for me that idea. Of just like, <laughs> am I going to waste my turn? So luckily, some of the spaces that require to use more guys have that kind of fail-safe option. Yeah. Where if you just totally whiff, one of the guys will come back to you. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely, oh. I've definitely rolled like just well enough that I like could get something, and I was like. I'm going to still re-roll it because I think I can do better and then rolled absolute shit <laughs> and yep. been like, well, that sucks. <laughs> yep. Never, never good at rolling. Oh, that is like, that's one of the only luck based parts of this game. I yeah. It's just the rolling. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you do get like, re- you get re-rolls. So like, usually you can be successful. I mean, usually. Yeah. If you're not and me. you have like, you have like the, you have the ore and, um. I forget what else, trees or something you can give away to, like, get more points. Yeah, I think it depends on your specific goal, but there's usually some combination of resources or weapon cards that you can sacrifice to make up for rolling shitty. So if you just kind of stock up on those resources beforehand, you can definitely increase your odds of success. Yeah. Kate, what's your favorite part? You guys were both so serious and talking about actual parts of the game. I was just going to say that my favorite part is that moose. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just such a good boy. If we're not being serious about the actual game, my favorite part of feasting for Odin is making up different meals with Odin that I'm having, such as snacking with Odin, breakfasting with Odin. (laughs) Yeah, mimosas with Odin. I, I do really enjoy when it's time... When it's the part of the turn to do the actual feasting, I refuse to hand over my tiles until I have made like a yummy sound. Like, nom, 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 I think I like unconsciously also, it's like, oh, your your Vikings need to feast. I'm like putting them back in the tray. Nom, 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 nom. It, sh- it should be I had mandatory. some peas and some mead. I guess I ate a piece of silver. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's an important that's an important aspect I think we need to mention is that in between rounds you do have to have enough food to have a proper feast with all of your different uh yeah, your different um workers. It's bad if you can't. Um it's very bad if you can't, but you can always just drop some money down there. So it's just like a fast mm-hmm. food run for Odin. Like I, <laughs> I, for, I forgot to catch you guys a fish, but if you want to just like run through the drive-through real quick, Odin's got the munchies. <laughs> Send him out on a Taco Bell run. Fourth meal for Odin. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot the most important part, you guys. A little, uh, a little gimmick, if you will, that I'm very excited about. Um, if anyone has ever watched the the show Top Gear. It's a TV show about cars, which by all means I should not enjoy because I hate cars. Uh, <laughs> but it's actually really funny, so I watch it anyway. But one thing they do on that is they'll race different cars around the track, and then they have this board where they'll list all the lap times. And uh-huh. in my true nerdy fashion, I'm going to do that with board games. So I hope you're pumped. So we're going to rate all the games we talk about by weight, as reported on BoardGameGeek.com. 
Oh. If anyone is not familiar with this, um, BoardGameGeek.com is one of those uh, kind of nerd meccas on the internet. If you want to find any facts about any board game, it's probably there. And they uh, they have a feature where people can vote on how complicated, I guess, every game is. It's yeah. on a scale of one to five. So one would be light. Five is heavy or very difficult. Um, so for kind of a baseline, I put... Uh, Settlers of Catan is kind of one of those. Everybody plays it. Everybody knows it. Everyone plays it. Everyone knows it. For me, it's kind of a midweight game. That is at a 2.34. So it's kind of okay. in, betwe- in between medium light and medium. But it's like close to like right. It, like you said, medium weight. It's like pretty close to yeah, medium Yeah, I mean, it is, it is a voting system. So some things kind of get skewed a little way. Because there's always that one asshole who's like, that game is so easy. Yeah, I feel like. I feel like in all the games I've looked at on BoardGameGeek.com, I've never really seen one that's, like, way up at a five. No, there isn't, because that was another one I wanted to mention, is uh, Twilight Imperium is the big boy game that I just refuse to play because it's too much of a just big boy for me. Long. Yeah, I mean, for reference, the, the estimated play time does say up to 480 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I cannot even fathom. Uh, but that's a, <laughs> that's a 4.2. Really? Not even like a 4.5? No, 4.2. Some nerds out there are just like, oh, Twilight Imperium is too easy. I, I want to play a game that takes me a full week of sitting at the table. Yeah, there's always that guy. <laughs> On the other end, uh, I, I, I want to write down for our baby game that everyone can kind of uh, get behind. Candyland. <laughs> 1.07. <laughs> I don't know who it was that voted that higher than a one, but there we are. Yeah. I Candyland doesn't even have like rules. I don't even think it choices has choices. Yeah, not you it doesn't have choices, right? You just pick a card and you go there. It's an experience and not a game, but yeah. uh it's a 1.07. So I mean that's kind of the, the rough range we're okay. working with here. Um does anybody want to guess? Where our beloved Feast for Odin fits on the scale. Ooh. 3.4. I'm going to go with a 3.8. Oh, Sarah's so close. 3.82. Oh. Woo! So, I mean, I know for, for me personally, that all of a sudden is kind of my baseline now. If anyone mentions a new game, I have to go look up what their weight is. And if it's higher yeah. than feasting, I have to really consider it. Hmm. I, I feel like that's a pretty good... I probably would have put it at like a 4, maybe. But like... I feel like three point eight. It's not. Yeah. So it's it's a big boy. People who are yeah. new to people who are really new to games, this will definitely be a challenge to learn. But I think it's worth it once you get through it. So anyone who is uh, listening to us who is super new to gaming, I understand that you might not want to dive into this big boy right away. But mm-hmm. definitely keep it on the back burner because once you do figure it out, it's just a good game right there. It is. It's a good game. Okay. All right. My tummy is full from all this feasting. Should we move on? We've eaten our fill. We're fueled mm-hmm. for battle. <laughs> so let's move on to our next game. Our other game that we want to talk about is Blood Rage. Blood Rage is a game where you control your own clan of Vikings. Each clan has their own symbolic animal, which all look really cool. Like the bear clan has like cool bear cloaks that they wear. And there's, like, a raven clan where all their, like, 
staves and stuff have like birds on them. And your clan of Vikings is entering the uh, Viking apocalypse, Ragnarok. And before the world ends, you want to go out in a blaze of glory and earn the favor of Odin and get into Valhalla, which you can only do by mostly like dying gloriously in battle, according to Viking legend, I guess. Which is my favorite part about this game as someone who usually... (laughs) As someone who can usually like lose just so hard at anything, the idea that I can just like die and it could yeah. potentially be good. It's good. It's like a thing that like I feel like I've never played another game where one of the ways you can win is just to die continuously. Just die on purpose and repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> For glory. <laughs> so when you play this game, it's sort of dudes on a map territory control game is what it sort of like looks like when you pull it out. But each of the three rounds of the game, a new area of the map is destroyed during Ragnarok. And if any of your dudes or your ship or monsters that you control are in that area, they also get destroyed. But you get glory, which is victory points, when your dudes die during Ragnarok. So it's actually kind of good to like park your guys there and let them just like get swept up to Valhalla and reap all the, the benefits. I mean, there are even some cards you can play to even make it like more good. Yes. And extra make you want to just like, well, I'm going to go park over here in the death zone. And at the beginning of each of the three rounds, you draft a hand of cards. So you can try to like get um, a set of cards that like helps you maybe like die gloriously during Ragnarok. Or you can like, there's a lot of different ways to like strategize this game. Like you can take cards that will help you win battles, take cards that give your clan or your leaders or whoever upgrades so that they're more powerful. Or you can get big-ass monsters to plop on the board, some of which will, like, destroy all the invading warriors or just, like, have, like, eight hit points or something compared to your measly, like, one or two. The monsters are so satisfying. I feel like uh, I never I never get them. They're just beautiful. They're so good. Especially when you paint them. Those yes. minis are just... They have- Beautiful sculpted minis for all these monsters, and they're gigantic, and they're amazing looking. I've only painted one of mine, uh, the Frost Giant, and I did it because he has a beautiful sculpted buttocks. (laughs) And it was... You just gotta take in that ass. Yeah, it was so satisfying to put the highlights on his, on each cheek. (laughs) I mean, that's a real good mini, and also, yeah, I mean... (laughs) The light bounces off of it like a quarter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think one of the things we didn't mention about this game is it is published by, um, Simon... Yeah, cool mini or not, I think they really, yeah, I think they recently decided to, like, cut the thing down to just Simon games, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how they pronounce it, but yeah, it's cool mini or not. So they yeah. definitely are are focusing on getting some cool minis on your board and on this game. Uh, yes. They definitely succeeded. These are some very satisfying minis. Yeah, and it's designed by the very famous and talented Eric Lang. Yes, yes, definitely did a great job with this game. I mean, gameplay, yeah. fantastic. I have some um, thoughts theme-wise, but we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, I guess, like, just basically when you're playing this game, you start putting guys on the board, and you have, like, a limit of guys that you can put on at first that you can up up those stats during battles, essentially. And you go around pillaging or having battles with the other people on the board, trying to control territories, 
And there are quests you can play that might help you, like, if you control a certain territory at the end of the round, you might get points or whatever. And you can play a lot of different strategies to win this game. I've played a lot where you just die in battle and then you can get a quest that's like, if you have dudes that are dead at the end of the round, you get a bunch of points. (laughs) That is my strategy 95% of the time when I play this game. Yeah. Or you can, like, play a strategy where you just get a bunch of guys and you, like, park them on one territory and, like, no one can fuck with you because you're the biggest, baddest dude in Viking Town. <laughs> <I'm> just- <laughs> Try to kick me out of Viking Town. I, I think there's a better name for it than Viking Town, but. <laughs> it's it's Viking Town now. You guys yeah. heard, it, heard it here first. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so you play three rounds of that. And then at the end, it's a, it's sort of like a points battle you've got glory um that you accumulated throughout the game and then uh at the end you get some some bonuses for having like high stats for your for your clan yeah i think that i think that pretty well sums it up Mm -hmm. one thing that i do like about this game a lot is first thing when you start reading the rules is i appreciate a game that has a good who goes first rule as opposed to just randomly selecting this game like a true viking the rule is who was born the furthest north which I don't often win, but we have seen some real fun games that involved people straight up calling their moms to figure out which (laughs) hospital they were born in. (laughs) We've had to look up the latitude and longitude of like a town before, I think. And that's just that's just a good time. I I would I would always rather do that, even if it means that one person is going first all the time. I'd rather do that than just random selection. I mean, you get to learn a a cool a cool random fact about the people you're playing with, and you're like, they'll be like, oh, well, it's not me. I was born in Florida or something, and you're like, ha, sucks to be you. You'll never be a good Viking that way. Yeah, I mean, I do enjoy this one just because I grew up in Arizona, so everyone assumes I'm going to automatically lose it, and then I just get to throw out that I was secretly born in Minnesota, and I get to go first at least occasionally. Let's talk about those bits. The bits. Um, the bits are good. I mean, The we bits are good. About, we talked about the monsters and how great the monsters are. Yeah, all of the minis are amazing. The, like, sculpt on, like, some of those minis, like the serpent monster oh, is, like, amazing. Um, so good. But the base sculpts for, like, your warriors and your leaders and stuff, and even, like, your token that you move, like, to track points and stuff is all really nice. Each clan, you have um, a leader, which has a, a, a special sculpt, and then two different warrior sculpts, uh, as well as a ship. I do really like that they threw the two different sculpts in there to kind of diversify your army. Yeah. Except that that just gives me an extra opportunity for rage because as a hashtag girl gamer, I'm always kind of on the lookout for girl characters. Mm -hmm. And when they have straight up two sculpts per army, I feel like there is absolutely no excuse to not have one dude sculpt and one lady sculpt. Yeah, it makes me so mad that there are basically no women in yeah, there's the one. Bits. The fifth player expansion, you get a clan that's all women. No, that's the, the serpent. Fifth, the the serpent clan is fifth player expansion. I'm pretty sure. Ooh. Yeah, that's rough. I mean, I do like them because in that one, in that one, the leader and both the different warrior sculpts are ladies. But it's just kind of a sad addition yeah. when they've been kind of neglecting them along, and they're all yeah. plus they're very um under booby. They're pretty boob heavy. Uh. Sculpts, those ladies aren't wearing very um, warm clothing for their Viking winter. <laughs> I would like to note in the expansion with the mystics, the mystics for the Serpent Clan aren't ladies. I know. And, and I none feel of- like, why didn't 
they have this lady clan and already, and then they add these yeah. two mystics. Why did they make the men? How come yeah. they? I mean, they should have made. Obviously, it should be more women in general. But how come yeah. they made the two mystics men and they didn't? It's like make especially them bullshit because Vikings like were one of those societies where women were perfectly able to be warriors. Yeah, of all historical themes to leave the ladies out. Like, yeah. come on. I, I understand that like your medieval times games maybe don't have ladies in them because they weren't actually taking part in anything. But they just, we just need some Viking ladies. I just feel like all games should have ladies to add to, they should have a, a good number. At least half the characters should be ladies. Yes, we got mm-hmm. one of five clans as ladies. Yeah. And they're not even all ladies once you take into consideration like the mystics and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, they're all, they're really good sculpts, but the ladies in this game are a little yeah. upsetting, both in uh, their rarity and that both in the clans here and in the few kind of of the monsters and like uh, special characters, all the ladies are definitely very kind of hypersexualized. Yeah. There is so much underboob. It's just yeah. underboob for days and it's just not practical, you guys. I mean, to be fair, I think like maybe one of the other clans, like the bear clan or something, have their man boobs out too. So like... Okay, never I guess mind. they were equally. That's fair. It was equal opportunity under boob, but <laughs> and those those giants were very very little clothing. Oh, they're scantily yeah. clad. You they get a lot of cloths. you get a lot of butt cheek on those monsters. Okay, okay, I retract that statement. It's an equal <laughs> it's an equal opportunity sexy game, but there should probably still be some more girls in it. Yes. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, how do you like the art? I like it. I think um, this is also works really well, I think, as a contrast to a feast for Odin. The art, I feel like, is a little more imaginative, a little more like mm-hmm. kind of epic scaled. Which fits because the game is like a little more epic scaled. The game has gods and monsters and is more like the like myth of Vikings as opposed to the actual reality of well, Vikings. Well, Feast for Odin is about setting up that financially stable you know, status in Viking day to day culture. This is about the glory. Yeah, Blood Rage is about dying gloriously in battle in Ragnarok. So yeah. it requires a different style of art than uh, Feast for Odin, and mm-hmm. I think it does a really good job of having. No, it de- it definitely matches. I think it really gets that vibe of just like put on your best metal playlist and get ready to rage. Yeah, mm-hmm. but kind of on the opposite side of the art, I just would like to have some words about the theme here. <laughs> Vikings uh, kind of Viking North mythology theme is on paper so rad we should apply it to all <laughs> games but for anyone who is even kind of casually interested in Norse myth you do not have to look at this game very hard before the theme falls apart a little bit <laughs> uh, which is a real shame because I feel like they had a lot of opportunity here because in Norse myth the idea is that there are nine worlds that are all connected by the, the world tree or Yggdrasil and then if you just look, if you just look at the board, Yggdrasil's there in the middle and there are eight different zones around it. Mm-hmm. I mean, for one, I feel like you could easily just make it nine and they could be each of those nine worlds. But even with eight, I feel like you could just pick the most important eight or uh, maybe leave Valhalla out because the gods are off doing their own their own jam. But the fact that they didn't just use those worlds around Yggdrasil is disappointing on its own. But also a lot of these places are either deep cuts or maybe even just made up. I <laughs> <laughs> no, are they just things that sound kind of Viking-y? I think that's really it. So I, I made yeah. I made I made a few notes here so that I could do a um a more educated rant. Yeah. 
the it's three big zones that are all divided into smaller areas. The larger zones are Jotunheim, Alfheim, and Mannheim. Alfheim and Mannheim are real, right? Is the other one? These are all real. These are all yeah. great. Um, Jotunheim is where all the giants hang out. Alfheim mm-hmm. would be all where all the elves hang out. And then uh, Mannheim is just another word for Midgard, which I think we all know is kind of where, it's the, where the man. It's where the mans hang out. It's where the mans hang out. That's Mannheim, where we live. Where the mans go. Um, so those those three larger divisions actually kind of hold water here. But then if you look into the inner bits here, um, Jotunheim has three zones inside. They are. Muspelheim, which is just another one of the nine worlds. So you have one world that's inside another world. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't understand that. Sort of an inception. Um, then inside Jotunheim, you also have Horger. I think Horger is my favorite one to say. <laughs> Horger. <laughs> but that's just, it's just an altar that's made out of stones. That's what a Horger is. It's just a, <laughs> it's a pile of rocks, which I guess could exist inside Jotunheim. Um, and then also inside Jotunheim is Utgard, which from my best research, Utgard is more often than not just used synonymously with Jotunheim. So Jotunheim oh. is inside Jotunheim. Well, I mean, it is. Which is, it? I, I guess. I mean, it's kind. Of, it's a little bit like saying that the United States is inside the USA, which yeah. I, I guess you could use those. You words. really did your research on this. I just, I just accepted these words as like sufficiently Vikingy sounding, and mm-hmm. was like, yeah, it sounds okay. <laughs> I've been reading a few things about Norse myth anyway, so I kind of noticed that they didn't line mm-hmm. up, and I wanted to better understand why they didn't line up. Because yeah, and then in Alfheim you have Andlang and. Gimli, these are both various afterlifes. So it doesn't really make sense for all of our people to be fighting here. (laughs) I mean, also, in addition to them being various afterlifes, these are things that are not really mentioned that often. These each have maybe one to two references and any kind of actual historical references to myth. There's almost no information out of them. I don't even know why they would pick these places. They're insignificant largely as far as i could find out and then i guess my, my biggest one is that uh inside Mannheim they have a territory called angerboda and angerboda is not a place it's a person right angerboda is loki's baby mama <laughs> she's a giantess she's not a place and also i feel like if she was hanging out anywhere it would probably be in jotunheim because she's a giant yeah <laughs> Overall, if you don't actually dig as deep into this as you did, the theme is a lot of fun. I just think that um, on this theme, they maybe phoned it in a little bit. Yeah, it's a it's Viking flavored, but maybe not actual Vikingy. It's not including the giant almanac the way Feast did and telling you about how peas were, you know, eaten by Germans. And very much a contrast to A Feast for Odin. They're definitely very fun games. It's just this one, I think someone at some point kind of opened up the Norse mythology Wikipedia page and without reading it, just picked their favorite words off of it. Yeah, that seems fair. <laughs> Again, still love this game, still feel really cool when I'm playing it. I, I'm not even anywhere near an expert at Norse myth, and I had some issues so i can imagine that anyone who's really trying to dig into this because it's a hobby of theirs might have um you know some things to say (laughs) yeah about the theme here (laughs) we'll just jump to this first complexity of this game on our weight scale you guys have any guesses 3.1 Ooh, um i'm gonna say 2.9 
I mean, you guys both uh, kind of fail in Price is Right terms, but Sarah is, again, much closer. 2.88. Ooh. Significantly lighter weight than A Feast for Odin, um, which Mm -hmm. is going to make it a lot more accessible to to some new players, I think. I feel like it's not necessarily less complicated than Feast for Odin, but I feel like it's much less intimidating to bring to the table. It is a lot less intimidating. I mean, just the fact that you can set it up so much faster, I think. And just with all those minis, too, it gives something people something to connect to, I think, because you're just Yeah, it's got some pretty familiar aspects to it. Like, your first playthrough, when I first played it, and when a lot of people first play it, it's pretty easy to pick up on just, like, the battling part and play it as sort of, like, an area control game, which makes it pretty easy to learn. You might not, like, play it super well. Like, you might not be your your best strategy right away but like you can play it and get through a game that way and do a good job yeah i agree you can really pick that one thing that you want to do and just do it whereas Mm -hmm. like a feast for odin if you don't know what you're doing you kind of stare at the board for a long time and go oh my god i have no idea what's happening right now even though it is a little bit more directly competitive i think compared to feast for odin where oh yeah yeah, feast for odin you're kind of doing your own thing you don't really attacking i mean you're not attacking anyone and a lot of it you're not really caring what the other players are doing until you look over and you're like, well, how come you have like four islands yeah. and I have zero? But Blood Rage, you're more interacting with other yeah. people. Yeah, I mean, which maybe encourages more of the real life rage. It's like, why are it, you oh, in my way right now? Can I've you gotten not? some rage. I've yeah. for sure gotten some rage playing Blood Rage. Mm-hmm. When someone, when you have a plan and someone fucks it all up because they killed all your dudes mm-hmm. and you're like, I thought those dudes were strong enough to beat you (laughs) that was my whole thing right now was those guys and now they're gone they're gone and now i have nothing (laughs) why are all of your guys hanging out in moosefulheim when that's my goal (laughs) Mm -hmm. but overall i think it's a really fun game yes i love it definitely very contrasty with a space for odin but Mm -hmm. both good games yeah i will say for this one one to four for base game fifth player expansion Oh, um, you, you can play it with one. Oh, sorry. Can you play it with one? It's two, two and up. Yeah. I think the one time I tried to play it with two people, though, it didn't work very well. I, I was going to say, I've done it with two players against Sarah, actually, and we didn't talk to each other for the rest of the night afterwards. <laughs> it um, got heated. It gets, because like when you have more than two, when you have like three, you have more people to spread your rage against. Um, When there's only one other person, your rage can only go against that other person. So yeah. it can get a little mean. There um, was a lot of rage. There was Luckily, a lot of rage. not so much that there was blood. There was no blood, but there was rage. <laughs> so if you want to play blood rage for friendship, maybe more than two people. Maybe yeah, more I than would two. suggest more than two. Just my um, personal my personal experience is yeah. that it's it's better with the three to five. Yeah. I honestly think that like the higher the player count goes for this one, the more I like it. Like I actually really like playing with five. Like, it's hard, but it's fun. Yeah. I mean, I just really like that it has that fifth player option because I mm-hmm. very frequently find myself in a position where we have five people trying to squeeze into a game, which stuff like A Feast for Odin then is all of a sudden just completely off the table because yes. no one wants to just sit out and not play. I always like games that have a five player option. Four players, just it always seems like I have a fifth player when <laughs> when it comes time. Always a fifth player. Yeah. It'd be nice if it maybe more games would come with that default fifth player, but the fact that the fifth yeah. player expansion both exists and I feel like came out fairly close in time it came to out the base game. Fast. Yeah. And it's I, I'm pretty sure the fifth player expansion isn't very pricey. Yeah, and we didn't talk about there are two other expansions. 
the gods expansion where you get miniatures of a bunch of the different Norse gods, um, Loki, Freya, Tyr. I can't remember what all of them are. Don't forget Odin and his chair, which is a separate oh, piece right, because right. of the importance of his chair. <laughs> He's got to sit in that throne. But essentially, you pick two of the gods to play with in the game, and then they have special abilities change up some of the rules. I think, for example, Freya, when she's placed into one of the territories, you don't go to Valhalla when you lose. Yeah, you don't, like, die, yeah. basically. Oh, you just get to stay alive forever? So if you're just trying you get to, to stay alive, yeah, I think. Yeah. And then the gods move um, after a battle happens in the territory that they were in. Mm-hmm. And, like, if, like, Thor's there, you get double the glory when you win. Mm-hmm. So they try to sort of match, like, what yeah. the god... It mostly it mostly just stuff. adds, like, an, an extra little component to have to think about, like... Deepening the strategy for people who have played... Yeah, like if you were planning to fight in a territory and all of a sudden like Freya's there and you're like, well, if I win in that territory, it doesn't matter because those guys are still like the my opponent's guys are still going to be on the board. And I didn't like accomplish anything in terms of like making space or like getting rid of their dudes. So This would very deeply mess with my die for glory strategy, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um and then the other expansion is the Mystics expansion. Each clan gets two new figures. They're Mystics. You have to get you have to draft a card for them in order to play them into the game, but they get placed on the board for free, I believe, and they each have like a special different ab- ability, like being able to retreat from battle instead of dying, or I think some of them can kill a warrior or a leader when they enter a territory. Yeah, I think they have a lot of abilities. It's just the problem is I think they're free to play, but you do have to get their card first right yes. like from the draft. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like I somehow never end up with it. Maybe because I'm prioritizing my glorious death. It really depends. Like sometimes I get them and they can be really useful because they, I think they play on the board for free or very cheap. And so when you're like worried about how much rage, rage is like the action currency of the game. So like you start with a certain amount of rage and then everything you do costs rage. And when you're out, you can't do anything essentially. So um, having guys that you can put on the board essentially for free is always really nice. Yeah, it is really good because, I mean, like all good Vikings, I feel like when they run out of right rage, they just have to go to bed, I guess, and they have to stop being Vikings. <laughs> all little Vikings are tired. <laughs> I don't have enough rage to go to battle today. <laughs> so uh, what's what's everybody's favorite part of blood rage? My favorite part is we kind of talked about, well, obviously minis are great, but I kind of like that I can win by either doing well in battle or by just fucking doing so badly in battle so i my strategy i usually start off like i'm totally gonna fight this time and i'm gonna win and then i lose that first fight and i'm like you know i think i'm just gonna die gloriously in battle and then i like that like you have that option you don't have to be good at fighting you can just be bad at fighting Mm -hmm. and i like to have that as my backup plan usually don't win either way but i like to think that I have this chance of winning. You can win by losing, basically. Winning by losing is pretty fun. I just love to lose with glory. Yes. (laughs) I feel like this whole concept fits in very well with our podcast here. um, We might not win, but we will not win gloriously. (laughs) So my silly favorite part is just saying, To Valhalla! Whenever my dudes die. (laughs) To Valhalla! (laughs) But also... 
I really like somewhat the like unpredictability of this game when you're in battle. Your guys have a strength and the people you're fighting have a strength, but then you also have cards you can play. Sometimes you're going up against somebody who's like really strong, but then you play a card where you like destroy all of their dudes with the card before you even like battle. It throws them into a rage and is this why is this why you and Arizona weren't friends for a little bit? Probably yes. Probably. <laughs> and sometimes this happens to me and I will say that like more than any other game this is a game that I hate to lose. Like most games I don't mind losing and I lose a lot of games um and I don't get like I don't usually get cranky about it, but this game if I lose I will have like a little a little pouty baby fit sometimes <laughs> i would like to note in our two-player game i did win that oh I that's think that probably that, why <laughs> i think that added to our not talking for the rest of the day afterwards i will be a sad little viking and have a tantrum when i don't win this game <laughs> a tantrum for Odin. but when you win this game when you win this game it feels so good you feel mm. like you just crush your enemies and there's a bloody smear on the ground yeah, you're like the ultimate champion. Yeah. Yeah. We played this just recently and I was down the entire game and in the last round because of bonus cards and other various points at the end, I got about 90 points. I ended up winning and one of the people we were playing with was very visibly upset about this <laughs> and they had the blood rage in them. This um, is really making it sound like we hate our friends. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> Most games are like this. Apparently, Blood Rage brings out a lot of rage in people. It really brings out the competitiveness in me. That maybe, maybe the title is just too apt. It really inspires this rage. Yeah. yeah. Even in the friendly game. What was your favorite part, Kate? Dying gloriously, as always. I mean, and also all the butts. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, butts. the butts are good. Some, Some good, good butts. butts. All right, I think that wraps it up for Blood Rage. Is there anything we didn't? Close the book. I'll close the book on Blood Rage. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so, I mean, to wrap up our Viking theme, are there any other Viking games that we did not discuss today that you think are of note that people should maybe just go uh, do their own research on and, and play? You should. If you haven't played Raids, I would say yeah. that that's a good Viking game to play. You're, it's a four-player game. You have little boats. You move them around. The game itself comes with nice little wooden viking meeples um it also comes with metal coins which yeah. any game that naturally comes with metal coins is already so much better in my opinion because metal coins are the no, best no i agree the metal and those metal mm. coins are nice they're nice ones too they're and nice metal coins the viking yeah. meeples are so cute the viking meeples are adorable yeah they have game. little they're what are those little axes that they have and they have the little mm -hmm. viking little stereotypical viking hat yeah so this is Raids by Yellow, I think, games. Mm -hmm. Very, very lightweight compared to the other two games that we've talked about. Um, you're sailing your ship around. It's got a mechanic where the person in the back gets to go next, essentially. Mm -hmm. And you're picking up goods or fighting monsters or, like, gathering things for your ship to make it better. It's a very cute game. It's very cute. And some of the mechanics remind me a little bit about Takedo, which yes, really yeah. just makes me think that this is a Vikings version of a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. Let's all load up the boat and go on vacation. I got some pigs. <laughs> I killed a wolf on my vacation. <laughs> I slayed a sea serpent and grabbed a treasure. <laughs> 
I mean, other other good Viking games, I think Champions of Midgard is another big boy Viking game that people should probably mm-hmm. check out if they're into it. It has a lot of uh, worker placement and battle and dice. It's got a lot of real good dice. It's got some yeah. good bits, too. It does have some good bits. I think that if one I remember correctly. Ha- might have metal coins as well. Or maybe that's just it the does. version we have. Yeah. yeah, that's another sort of complicated one. It's mostly about raiding, right? You're going out on raids and fighting monsters. Yeah, there's a lot of monsters. It definitely kind of takes the kind of fantasy element a lot. There's a lot of giants and yeah. monsters mm-hmm. and sailing. Although there is a little bit kind of in the Feast Road in direction where you have to kind of make sure that your guys have enough food when they're going out and stuff. But it's a little yeah. more mystical. I think the best part about that one is that there's a troll to fight every round. And whoever doesn't fight the troll gets publicly shamed. <laughs> <laughs> it's important for a game to have public shaming. Yeah. Another uh, another good Viking theme game I liked recently was Raiders of the North Sea. I, I like Raiders of the North Sea a lot. Yeah. yeah, it's. I think it. I think I'd say it's like a little bit lighter. The art is definitely more cutesy, but really fun. It's all about preparing to raid and raiding. You've got essentially like everyone shares meeples, and your meeples have to go to certain spots on the board to gather resources and then eventually you can send it out on a raid where you will get awesome rewards and you set up with like your team your crack team of vikings yeah you really get to like assemble your own a team yeah it's like you're making it's like it's like vikings 11 you gather your team for the heist and then you go out on your raid it's really good i do like that one it's got some good bits too i think there's an expansion that adds like a mead hall and you can get little glasses of mead that make you stronger naturally because any good viking will do better with some mead Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and then i guess if anybody is into some actual historic games that maybe vikings would have actually played there is if you want to grab just one of your closest friends and play nefetoffel However you want to pronounce it, Nerfa Turfle. Nerfa Turfle? Nerfa Nerfa Turfle? Nerfa Noodle? Nerfa Noodle? Um, it's just, it's, this is a probably the only game that has any actual historical basis for Vikings. It's a little, it's a little chess-like, kind of easy to learn, forever to master kind of strategy game where you're trying to capture a king. It's a nice, it's a nice fun one, I think, as long as the other person you're playing with has similar goals. I feel like playing this game when you just want a casual game and someone else is taking it seriously is deeply frustrating. I mean, it is a, it's an abstract, it's a very abstract strategy game like chess where you can get like really good at it. And I've played only once and I was not good at it. (laughs) I've only played once, but I played it against you, Kate, and neither of us really knew what we were doing. I think it was well balanced that way. Playing in someone who knew what they're doing, though, I think they'd be like... I think that like chess, there's like very set moves that you could do and mm-hmm. they could easily have beaten either of us. Yeah. So anyone with half a brain, I'm sure could have easily beaten me if they wanted to. <laughs> yeah. I'm just there to like drink my beer and move a little guy around. I don't know what anybody else yeah. wants from me. <laughs> but it is really cool to play like a historical Viking game. Like it, it feels pretty cool to be like this game was a game that actual Vikings played. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I think if you watch the the TV show Vikings, which I'm a huge fan of, even though again, maybe not the most for historical accuracy, <laughs> you can you can see them playing it a couple times like background characters will be or they'll be playing it when the camera pans in or something. I think that's neat. So, if you're a real cool kid 
you can start your own uh, Viking game convention with uh, all these games. I mean, yeah, if if one is cool enough. If one is cool enough, one could assemble a group of like-minded Viking enthusiasts and play all these Viking games. And for, for those listening who aren't getting the hint, this is the thing that we did. <laughs> we're we're just a bunch of big old nerds who decided why go to the cabin and casually play games all weekend when we could just decide that it's a convention and play for trophies we have our own little viking gamers association of just just our small group of friends who just wants to go play viking games yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool kate made trophies and pins and pins yes there's Rewards. Collectible pins are definitely mm-hmm. the best part of any convention. I think anyone can agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to get that swag. Yeah. Get some nice Viking themed beer. The Viking themed beer is really, really pulls it all together, I think. I mean, aside yeah. from putting your, your kind of theme music in the background, especially here in uh, Minnesota, we're kind of spoiled for choices, too, because Hammerheart Brewing is... Is only about a half hour drive from where I live. It's just a straight up Viking themed brewery. Yeah. So they have a lot of cool Norse names of beers. They have a lot of unique flavors. If you ever wanted a beer that was infused with lingonberries, they have a lot of beers that are smoked. Um, and just the brewery itself has a great Viking vibe for people looking for that jazz. Um, but we also have easy access to a lot of other tasty Viking themed yeah. brews. I highly recommend theming your board game night Mm -hmm. makes it feel more special that's why we're here really i think doing this podcast just everyone go have a good theme night you know even even if you just need to do the most casual google search for some music you know put on the theme song to the vikings show or whatever Mm -hmm. and then you know go actually cut somebody open with an axe or whatever if you want to well not in real life in your brain (laughs) symbolically slaughter them at games symbolically (laughs) do not kill your friends yeah sit down for game night with a shield in one hand and then an axe in the other hand and then you maybe don't have any free hands to push the meeples around with you can push them with the the axe i guess Mm -hmm. um so it'll be fine just just get into it have a good time Mm -hmm. this podcast also does not condone pillaging irl no irl pillaging get it all out in game form it's more fun that way anyway. I don't want to see the blood. <laughs> Viking games are amazing. I personally prefer to rage. I personally prefer to feast. And I could go either way. So I guess oh, we're a well-balanced group. I do agree that, that blood rage causes me some serious rage. <laughs> I mean, I guess to be perfectly honest, so does feasting because <laughs> I'm just not good at it. And while I claim that I'm not playing to win, when you never, ever win... It hurts. It does. Sometimes it hurts. That's why you have to play the one-player mode, because then you're not losing. I mean, you're not really winning, but you're not losing either. We're just in it to play anyway. It's about having fun. Not in it to win it, just in it to play. I mean, in the moment, I definitely want to win it, but I will get over it, and I will play again. Because the games are just so good. Mm -hmm. They are. So good. All right, I think that might be it. Do any of you guys have anything to uh, plug or speak aloud, share with the world? Listen to our next episode. Rate us on iTunes. (laughs) Please rate us on iTunes if you liked this. (laughs) If you didn't like this, please keep in mind that this is literally our first attempt ever at podcasting anything. And we'll get better. 
I promise you guys we'll get better. I did set up an email account for us. So if you just want to send us a note, notplayingtowin at gmail.com, tell us what we can do better or just let us know which Viking games you like the best. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you want to see pictures of the show, please go to our Instagram at notplayingtowin. We're also on Twitter at notplayingtowin. I do not actually understand how to use Twitter, so there's not much there yet. But if you only tweet and don't Insta, then maybe we can at least uh, let you know if any future episodes are coming out. Um, I also am going to be releasing two, yes, two different Viking themed playlists on my Spotify. They will both start with NPTW, which you might notice it stands for not playing to win. So there will be NPTW Blood Rage and NPTW A Feast for Odin. So if you need a little help getting that background music going, I hope you'll check those out and just uh, set up a Viking theme night with you and your friends. Thank you, DJ Kate. Mm-hmm. You have been listening to DJ Kate. All right, you guys, I think that's all for now. So throw those score sheets away and go play a goddamn game. Not playing to win.